good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, whatever time it is. Welcome to the Doc Bryant Show. I am your host, Doc Bryant. Why, Doc? Because I was a Navy and Marine Corps combat corpsman for six years, and that's what they call us. And that is the name that is tattooed on my soul. I am here to tell you about the stuff that is going on in the world in politics, pop culture, and otherwise, through the lens of a Christian view. You see, I also used to be a pastor for about 15-some-odd years before COVID came along and closed down the church. At any rate, here I am, and I'm telling you all about stuff. And one of the things that I am going to tell you about today, or the thing that I'm going to talk about today is a tweet that caught my attention oh, a couple of weeks back from a fellow or female, I don't know, uh, who refers to themselves as Pride Token. That's at Pride underscore token on Twitter. And they posted an extremely well-written, well-thought-out, very well-composed uh, tweet. Um so well written and so well composed that I'm almost thinking that this might have been the work of multiple people uh, because this is just a brilliant, beautiful marketing job. And I am here to absolutely thrash it, which is what's what we're going to do right now. <clears throat> First thing I'm going to do, excuse me, sorry. <clears throat> uh, the air quality around here is extremely bad likely to the wildfires that Justin Trudeau had set in Canada. It's blowing down our way, even down here in Texas. So, as I was saying, I'm going to read the whole thread. Uh, it is, again, brilliantly written, very, very well thought out. The, the words were chosen exceptionally carefully and put together exceptionally carefully. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to talk about it and take it apart. All right. What would Jesus do? A reflection on LGBTQ rights and homophobia. Many claim to follow Jesus, the embodiment of love, compassion, and acceptance. But when it comes to LGBTQ rights, some Christians have chosen a path of hate and persecution. Today, let's reflect on what Jesus would truly do in the face of homophobia. Jesus' message was clear, love your neighbor as yourself. He embraced all without judgment or, in, or exclusion. He associated with the marginalized, offering them dignity and acceptance. Shouldn't this message guide us in our treatment of the LGBTQ community? Homophobia is discrimination and hated. Uh, homophobia, discrimination, and hatred have no place in the teachings of Jesus. His ministry was marked by radical inclusivity, challenging societal norms and embracing those who were cast aside. We must ask ourselves, are we truly following his example? Jesus never condemned or rejected anyone based 
on their sexual orientation or gender identity. Instead, he stood against bigotry and injustice, calling for unity and understanding. It's time for Christians to align their actions with the true essence of his teachings. LGBTQ individuals deserve respect, equality, and the right to live authentically without fear of discrimination. As Christians, it's our duty to stand up against homophobia, champion their rights, and create a more inclusive and loving society. Remember, Jesus emphasized the importance of empathy, compassion, and loving one another unconditionally. Let us challenge our own biases and prejudices, striving to create a world where all individuals, regardless of sexual orientation, are embraced and celebrated. So, to those Christians who spread hate and persecution, I ask, is this truly the message of Jesus you wish to embody? Let us choose love over judgment acceptance over exclusion, and advocate for the rights and dignity of our LGBTQ siblings. As we celebrate Pride Month, let's remember that LGBTQ rights are human rights. It's time to reconcile our faith with genuine love, respect, and support for the LGBTQ community. Together, let's strive to create a more inclusive world reflecting the true spirit of Jesus. Well, isn't that something, folks? Now that we have seen an overview of this post, I'm going to point out one thing first. That this is a post that is trying to create a counterfeit Jesus. I was going to say a counterfeit Christ, but something that can be noticed here is that nowhere in this entire rant is Jesus referred to as the Christ. They do use the term Christian, but not refer to Jesus as Christ. This is an interesting conglomeration of heresies. For those of you who do not know, a heresy is a false teaching. And this is an interesting combination of heresies. There are classic heresies that even go back to the first century church. And this is a very interesting combination, um, and we're going to go through those. I'm going to take this thing apart piece by piece, and it might take more than one episode, but if that's what it takes, that's what it takes, because one of the things that's going on here, and uh, the, one of the, the assaults from the Pride community directly on Christianity is they are trying to redefine Christianity— Okay, they're trying to redefine what it is to be Christian. Um, there is a uh, a pop singer, a music singer, who refers to herself as a a uh, a gay Christian singer. 
Okay. And she hit the top of Apple's Christian uh, pop music chart. And she is redefining or trying to redefine Christianity by calling herself a gay Christian. And folks, we're going to talk about all of this. I'm going to get into all of this. And again, I think this is going to take a while because the, the assault on Christianity from the pride community is massive. And the, one of the reasons that they are trying to redefine Christianity in their own image is so that later they can point to real Christianity and say, that's not real Christianity. That's hatred and bigotry. And that language, that Christianity, people who preach that need to be silenced. They need to be censored. They need to be thrown in jail. They need to be killed. Eventually. I, if they could go that far, they would, but I don't think they, you know, they will. In Europe, they have been very successful at this. In Europe, if you speak against the pride community, if you preach what's actually in the Bible that talks about how homosexuality is indeed a sin, you can get thrown in jail. And people are being thrown in jail in, in the UK because they're talking like this, and people are being thrown in jail in Canada because they are preaching what's in the Bible. And that is what they're trying to get. That's what the pride community is trying to get instituted here in the United States. And in certain areas, they're coming close. In certain blue and purple jurisdictions, it's happening. Just recently, I commented on the fact that there was an individual who was preaching from the Bible, directly from the Bible, outside of a pride rally. He wasn't going around hitting people over the head with skateboards. He wasn't smacking people with his Bible. He was just talking the truth. He was just preaching out of the Bible, and he was arrested. This was in Pennsylvania. He was arrested, and he was put in jail. And then later... The charges were dropped and he was released. Now, this is, this is as far as they can get right now, where they can arrest somebody to remove them from a position of efficacy in preaching the gospel. And then later, once they've had their pride parade, once they've been able to lie without any interference— then they will drop the charges and let the person go because they know if it's brought before a court, it's going to get thrown out. And the prosecutor might even be disbarred because the arrest was knowingly unconstitutional. And definitely if somebody prosecutes the case, it's going to be unconstitutional. And prosecuting an unconstitutional case intentionally is grounds for disbarment. So they're not going to go that far because they know that the legal system has not been turned that far yet. But this is their goal. Their goal is to silence the truth. Their goal is to silence the gospel. And this is another reason why I also am adding episodes outside my regular episodes that are teaching the gospel. I am once again being called to preach about this because a false gospel is being preached. 
Anyway, back to this. Back to Pride Token and what they have said. And by the way, when I say they, I am not giving in to the uh, the Pride community pronoun BS. It's just that I don't know whether this individual is male or female. And so I am forced to use that type of pronoun. I am not doing it because they want me to or have asked me to. I don't buy into that garbage. If you're a he, you're a he. If you're a she, you're a she. And the way to know whether you're a he or a she is by looking between your legs. And if that doesn't work, we can get a DNA test and verify it. Either way, I don't buy into that. Now, getting back to this. First thing. I've already said first thing. Um, this individual, multiple times in this uh, thread, when referring to Christians, seems to indicate that they are a Christian as well. They keep referring to our faith and uh, the way we do things and so on and so forth. So what they're trying to do is uh, they're trying to see I'm a Christian, and this is the way I do it, and this is what Jesus taught, so this is the way you should do it too. And this is very dangerous. The reason that it's dangerous is because this is targeted at Christians who do not know their Bible. And unfortunately, there are a ton of them out there. There are a ton of them out there. And one of the reasons that there's a ton of them out there is because you have these huge churches— and even not just huge churches, but you've also got entire denominations that call themselves Christians. And what I like to refer to them as is baby Christian factories. They go in, they're highly emotional, and they constantly preach about, you know, coming to Christ and so on and so forth. And they... Uh, create a bunch of baby Christians and a bunch of conversions and stuff like that. But once they create these baby Christians, they don't train them up. They do not teach them anything at all out of the Bible. They just keep repeating the same stuff over and over again. And so these baby Christians who've been converted, don't really learn anything. They don't understand what's in the Bible. They don't learn about the Bible. They are not encouraged to learn about the Bible. So they don't really read the Bible. And they certainly don't study it to find out what it means. Why was this said? Why was this said when it was said? What was going on at the time when it was said? Why is it important and so they don't really learn anything about their faith. And because of that, they are very easily led astray. And, of course, then you have other Christians who just decide that they don't want to. If they do read their Bible, they just read it on the surface. Like, I've read my Bible. I go through a, the Bible in a year. You know, every year I do the, the Bible in a year reading and stuff. Yeah, that's great, and that's all well and good, but do you know what it means? Again, do you get into it? Do you actually study it? Because if you aren't actually studying it, then you're not really learning anything. 
And these people are easily led astray by a post like this. Oh, yeah, Jesus is love and is compassion. And, and he is acceptance. Well, wait a minute. Many claim to follow Jesus, the embodiment of love, compassion, and acceptance. Now, you will find in the Bible the words love attached to Jesus very frequently. You will find the word compassion attached to Jesus very frequently. But you're not going to find the word acceptance associated with Jesus anywhere in the Bible. You're not going to find the word acceptance associated with God anywhere in the Bible. Today, let's reflect on what Jesus would truly do in the face of homophobia. Jesus' message was clear. That's true. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's in there. He embraced all without judgment or exclusion. Not true. That's a flat-out lie. 120% that's a flat-out lie. That is a flat-out lie. He associated with the marginalized, offering them dignity and acceptance. Again, the word acceptance. Again, the word acceptance. You will not find the word acceptance associated with Jesus or God anywhere in the Bible. Anywhere. I've looked. Shouldn't this message guide us in our treatment of the LGBTQ community? Okay. Heresy number one that I've noticed here. First of all, went throughout this whole thing, he's, this, this individual is telling us about, oh, Jesus this and Jesus that, and he said this and he was about that and so on and so forth. Never once in this entire thread have they referenced the Bible anywhere. They have gone from a gospel Jesus, a biblical Jesus, and what they are trying to create here in this counterfeit Jesus is a cultural Marxist Jesus. That is not the true Jesus. This is not the Jesus of the Bible. This is a fake Jesus. This is not a real Jesus. Next thing that we are looking at from a heretical point of view, this whole universal acceptance thing that they're talking about. This is a play on the heresy of universalism. Universalism states that a truly loving God would never judge anybody or condemn them to hell. This turns reality 180 degrees out of phase. God would never reject anybody and send them to hell. He wouldn't do that. Folks, the reality of the situation is God isn't rejecting anybody. They are rejecting him. He is simply being him. He is being reality. Reality is reality. Reality doesn't change. Reality does not have any 
prejudices, if you will, not, not, uh, not, not in the way that we think. You see, God is not human. He doesn't think the way that we think. He is not prone to our foibles and predilections. He is reality. He is what he is. And that is the creator of the universe, the creator of everything. And you say, well, well, why did he create hell? Why did he create hell? Because he had to have a place to put people who rejected him. There's got to be a place for people who reject him to go. Oh, well, why didn't he just create us all so that we would all live together in peace? Well, again, he could have created a bunch of robots who would worship him without thought. But he didn't, because that wouldn't be real love. You cannot have real love unless you have free will to make the decision as to whether or not you are going to love that particular individual. See, that's on you. Whether or not you choose to love and obey God, that's on you. That is your decision, not his, yours. And he has said... If you want to live your life in a way that is consistent with reality, these are the things you must do so that you do not hurt yourself and others. And people have taken that to mean, oh, he's just being mean and he's just being exclusive and he doesn't want the... He doesn't want us to have fun, and, and, so, and he's a killjoy, and so no, no. He is saying that if you do certain things that are hedonistic and self-indulgent, you are going to end up harming yourself and others. He is saying, I designed you in a certain way to function in a certain manner. And if you live your life in a way that it was not designed to be lived, if you treat your body in a way it was not designed to be treated, you are going to break your life, you are going to break your body, and you are going to hurt others around you at the same time because no one is an island. That is what he is saying. That is what sin is. Sin is is living your life behaving in such a way that you were not designed to behave. And so that, that is what it is. And, and you are the one who decides whether or not you are going to live your life that way. It's not God. God is just God. He's just being him. He is just being reality. And if you are acting outside of reality then and and you do not accept reality for what it is but rather you prefer to accept a reality of your own creation in your own mind 
to the extent that your reality runs counter to reality reality, you're going to get hurt and you're going to hurt other people. That's just a fact of life. That is the way it is. So it's not God rejecting you. It's you rejecting God. If you are going to behave in a manner that he has clearly stated is outside the boundaries of his rules, of the rules of reality, well, that's your choice. That's what you're going to do. And that's okay. You indeed have that right. You have free will. But you are not free from the consequences of your choices. And that's what universalism is about. It's about being free from the consequences of your choices. See, folks, it's not judgmental if a doctor tells you that if you continue drinking, you are going to get cirrhosis of the liver or you are going to get cancer of the stomach or any number of other issues. It is not judgmental of a doctor to tell you that you could get lung cancer from smoking cigarettes. That is not judgmental. It is not judgmental of a dentist to tell you that if you eat Oreos all day long and don't brush your teeth, you are going to get cavities and that your teeth are going to fall out. That is not judgmental. That is fact. That is them waking you up to or trying to wake you up to reality. Now, if you choose to ignore that and you do get cirrhosis of the liver and or cancer of the stomach, if you do get lung cancer, if you do, if your teeth do fall out, that is not the fault of the doctor or the dentist. That is your fault. You chose to ignore what those individuals who are trained in those types of realities have told you. That is your choice. Ladies and gentlemen, the next heresy that this is based on is named after what it is. It is the homosexual heresy. And the homosexual heresy is just basically this. That homosexuality is not actually a sin. And folks, I have to tell you, you're not going to find that anywhere in the Bible. You're not going to find that anywhere in the Bible. As a matter of fact, you're going to find quite the opposite of that in the Bible. First off, we have Genesis 1. I'm sorry, Genesis, uh, goodness, uh, 19, 1 through 13. This is implicit. And it's the story of what happened when the angels showed up in Sodom to go get Lot and his family. And how the men of the city, having heard that there were strangers 
that had come into the town, strange men that had come into the town, they surrounded Lot's house and demanded that he send the newcomers out so that they would might be able to homosexually rape them. That's basically what the story is. And Lot came out instead and said, my brothers do not do wickedly. So it is implicit right there that what they were planning to do was wicked. Now you might be able to point out, well, they were going to do it against their will. That was technically rape is what they were talking about. And obviously that's wicked, but that's not what homosexuality is about. So again, it is implicit there. However, if you go to the actual law, okay, the law of the Hebrews, the law in Leviticus, you will see very clearly what it states. Leviticus 18.22, you shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. This is expanded upon in Leviticus uh, chapter 20, verse 13. And this is expanded upon by actually giving a sentence for this particular violation of the law. If there is a man who lies with a male, as those who lie with a woman, both of whom, both of them, have committed a detestable act, they shall be put to death, their blood guiltiness is upon them. And note too, both of them have committed a detestable act. Okay, so it's not like in some people suggest that in Greece, in ancient Greece, the idea was if you were the uh, giver as opposed to the receiver of the action, only the receiver was considered gay. Only the receiver was considered homosexual. No, and this is very clear here in the law that they're Blood guilt is on them, and they are both, they have both committed a detestable act. This is what the law says. Now, there are some people out there who would say, oh, but Jesus was love, and he wasn't about this, and, and he was going to change the law because the, the, the Old Testament God was mean, and the New Testament God is loving and, and forgiving, and so on and so forth. And this belief that the Old Testament God was a vengeful, mean God, and the New Testament God is, is a loving, kind God, and that Jesus was the one who, who brought this forth, this is another heresy called Marcionism. Marcionism actually held that they were two different gods. And further to the point, and, and one of the things that this is kind of pushing here, this thing that Pride Token put out, is that the Old Testament teachings do not have any bearing on Christians and followers of the New Testament. Now, again, currently the, this version of Marcionism in the world is, it more frames that, you know, 
God was a vengeful mean. They're the same God, but God was vengeful and mean until Jesus came along, and then He was treat, uh, you know, teaching love and forgiveness and all that kind of stuff. And, and neither of these things is true. Okay, uh, first, there were not two different gods that were opposing each other, and second, God was not different in the Old Testament than He is in the New Testament. Again, reality is reality. Reality doesn't change. Okay? So, a couple of things I want to point out here. First, Jesus himself points this out, because the Pharisees came out accusing him of, oh, you're trying to overturn the law. You're trying to destroy the law. In Matthew 5, verses 17 to 18, Jesus says, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. Right there. Don't think that I have come to abolish the law. So, there is no abolishment of the law. Levitical law still applies. Okay? Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth shall pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Now, you might say, well, but uh, later in Acts, he tells Peter that there is no unclean thing. That if God made something clean, that, that, it is, that it can't be unclean. Well, that's true. That is a part where God says, at, from this point forward, because the Christ came to the Jews and they rejected him, now I am opening the gospel to everyone. And so that is, that is what he is saying. That is what he meant. There was a specific purpose for the law to be that way for a specific time. And then he said, now I am opening it up to everybody. And, and you can make the this, well, then that's just saying that, you know, we can change. Yeah, but he was specific about what part he was changing. You can now eat of these things. You can now preach the gospel to Gentiles. The gospel doesn't change. Sin does not change. What is considered sin does not change. And there's nowhere in the New Testament, in Acts, in any of the epistles, anywhere, certainly not of Jesus, saying all of a sudden, well, homosexuality is okay now. It's, it's not in there. You won't find it. As a matter of fact, quite to the contrary. But you might say, well, um, oh, and by the way, another thing I want to point out real quick. God is the one who gave the law. Okay? God was the one who gave the law. Jesus is God. And you might say, well, that no, Jesus was just a good teacher and, and he was just a nice guy. That's another heresy. John 10, 30. I and the Father are one. They are one and the same. I and the Father are one. Then we have John 8, 58. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
before Abraham was born. I am. There's no more definitive statement than that right there. When he said that right there, he was calling all the way back to the burning bush when God first stated his name to Moses. When Moses said, who am I to say sent me? And the burning bush, God replied, I am. Tell them, I am that I am. That is, I am the self-existent one. I am reality. And Jesus right there is stating, before Abraham was born, I am. There's actually multiple more places that he referred to himself as God. So, Jesus is God. He has stated that he has not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. If Jesus is God, and God gave the law, and Jesus has not come to destroy the law, there you go. The law is the law. And the law has stated that homosexuality is an abomination. Now, you might also say, but Jesus never said anything about homosexuality in the Bible. Eh, that's not exactly true. Not exactly true. Now, one of the reasons that you don't hear Jesus talking directly about that to all of these Jews is because they're the Jews. It was already understood, because of what was in Levitical law, that homosexuality was a sin. It wasn't something that he necessarily had to bring up because it wasn't an issue. It just simply wasn't an issue. And Jesus was sent to the Jews first. The Messiah was to be sent to the Jews first so that they could decide whether to accept or reject him. And it wasn't until Acts, when Peter had the vision, that the gospel was opened up to non-Jews or to the Gentiles. Okay? So, if Jesus is going to preach to the Jews, he doesn't have to waste his time talking about an issue that's not an issue in Jewish culture. It's just not. But, implicitly, we can go to Matthew chapter 19, and we can start in verse 4. And he, Jesus, answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And he said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The Pharisees were asking him about divorce. So this is in the context of marriage. And he very clearly states, he goes all the way back to Genesis for this, all the way back to Genesis, because again, he is God and he is the one that sets stuff up from the very beginning. 
And he said that they were created male and female and the two shall become one flesh. He is stating right here very clearly that the only, the only proper context for sexual activity is between a male and a female and the male and the female must be man and wife. They must be married. That is the only legitimate context for sex of any kind. Period. End of sentence. Right there. Another thing I want to point out when there's this whole idea of the God of the Old Testament being, you know, a mean, grumpy guy, and then the New Testament being all, all loving and forgiving and accepting and so on and so forth. We go to Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. 23, 19. Yeah, I caught that too. If you didn't, then you're not as much of a nerd as I am. Okay, anyway, Numbers 23, Verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Repent means change his mind, change the direction of his heart, but change his thinking. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? God doesn't change. God doesn't have to change. God can't change because God is God. He is. He is reality. Okay? Now, if you reject all of this stuff, if you reject all of the things that I'm pointing out to you, that's fine. You are perfectly allowed to do so, but that's you. The Bible is very clear. And despite the fact that that a lot of people, even some Christians who are unlearned think that the Bible is just a, you know, a compilation of different stories from different, you know, this and that, and it's kind of all over the place, and it says different things, kind of like the, uh, the Koran. That's not the case, folks. From the very beginning of the Bible to the very end of the Bible is one contiguous story, and it all points to one person, and that person is Christ, Every page, every story, every letter of the book points to Christ. It all teaches one story. It is continuous. People have tried multiple times to disprove this fact, and they have failed every single time. As a matter of fact, if you are an atheist out there, if you are one of these pride warriors out there, I challenge you, I'm begging you to do the research, try to disprove the Bible. I'm begging you. Try to disprove the Bible. You won't be able to do it. It's not going to happen. Many have tried, and a lot of the people who have tried have actually become Christians themselves because they couldn't, because their minds and their hearts were actually open. They were thinking with open minds and hearts and not closed minds and hearts. Now, as you have seen throughout this entire thing, I have contrasted what this individual has said 
with regards to who Jesus was and what he was like. In their entire rant, never once did they reference anything in the Bible to back up their claims about who they said Jesus was. Jesus was not a cultural Marxist warrior. Jesus was not a hippie. Jesus was God. And Jesus was coming to fulfill a specific purpose. And he did. Now, I have just shown that all of this garbage in this post was exactly that. Garbage. There is absolutely zero backing for this kind of teaching in the Bible. And I referenced multiple points in the Old Testament and the New Testament that all said the same thing. And I could reference more. I could reference a lot more. Because though though Jesus did not preach about homosexuality, homosexuality is mentioned by Paul. Well, you're going to say, oh, wait a minute. Well, but you said that it wasn't an issue back then. No, I said it wasn't an issue with the Hebrews. Paul was preaching to the Gentiles. And for them, it was an issue. Because homosexuality was actually, not only was it fairly rampant back then in the, in the uh, Gentiles' nations, but in some cases, it was also part of worship of false gods. And so it was an issue that needed to be addressed among the, uh, among the Gentiles. It did not need to be addressed among the Jews because it wasn't an issue. But, but it was in the law in Leviticus uh, you were talking about, and that was for the Jews. Yeah, but that was before the Jews were the Jews. It was Levitical law that took this ragtag bunch of people and gave them rules by which to live such that they would contrast with all of the other cultures around them and show these are my people. This is my foothold on the earth, and they are supposed to behave this way, different from everybody else. Now you can talk about, let's talk about forgiveness real quick. Let's talk about the whole concept of forgiveness, because Jesus was indeed about forgiveness, and that is what Jesus was for. That was his main purpose. But there is a difference, folks, between forgiveness and acceptance. Those are two totally different things. Forgiveness is not acceptance. Forgiveness is not permission. Forgiveness is not tolerance. Those are totally separate things. And if you will look very quickly... In order for forgiveness, one of the things that has to come is repentance. And repentance is you changing your mind, you changing your direction, you changing your behavior ultimately. You understanding that what you are doing is wrong. Repentance. That's what it is. 
So I, I'm asking you folks whether or not you see a difference between what Pride Token said and what I've said. And a lot of you aren't going to like what I said, but I'm sorry. What I said is clearly rooted in the Bible. And Pride Token didn't even reference the Bible. All he did was paint a picture of a Christ that does not exist. And he didn't even use the term Christ. He just used the term Jesus. And he painted a picture of a Jesus that simply doesn't exist. He certainly couldn't back it up with any actual biblical teaching. All right, folks, that's all I've got for right now. If you like what you heard, hit the like and subscribe button and share this out there to all of your friends, family, or people you think it might annoy or might help. Uh, you can catch my videos on odyssey.com, bitshoot.com, and rumble.com. And you can get my podcast anywhere you can get podcasts except for uh, Apple because I won't fill out their paperwork. Once again, I want to thank you for listening and I will talk to you all later.